Thank you for joining LX2 Codependency Coaching. I am Stella. We are live on Instagram today, and uh, we are also recording the podcast. So I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about toxic codependency. Um, Obviously, all codependency is not helpful, but there are certain aspects of codependency that are incredibly toxic. And um, it's interesting because a lot of times... You know, in the past, I have talked about uh, my own family experience and the things that it taught me in terms of not uh, honoring my own boundaries or not having any boundaries, uh, seeking out validation from other people uh, in terms of like validation, acceptance, love. And so all the things that we have done to create uh, these codependent coping skills Um, in the past and certainly before now on the podcast, we've talked about how uh, codependency has created these unhelpful coping skills in how we treat and deal with others. So um, one of the things that, sorry, I'm looking at the my Facebook because I had posted something on toxic codependency. Um, the things that we have done and do to, you know, get love and acceptance and validation from other people is not always helpful. In fact, it's quite the opposite because what we do is that we diminish our own needs or, you know, we're coming from that place of seeking those things externally. Uh, One of the best ways to combat that is to work on, you know, self-love and loving ourselves first so that we don't feel the need to get that acceptance or validation from other people. So I wanted to talk today about how toxic, well, about what toxic codependency looks like and then also what it feels like, because unfortunately, you know, we can't pick and choose our codependency. We just are codependent. And so one of the things that I like to highlight is how toxic codependency looks and feels so that we have a better idea of maybe how other people are experiencing us, which can be you know, not helpful, if not kind of gross. Um, and uh, one of the things that I also do is uh, workshops on codependency, right? So I wrote a workshop of uh, several years ago now, about five years ago, and um, I was teaching it just, you know, to the community, whatever. Um, and then I wrote another uh, workshop for professionals, Uh, and how codependency shows up in that capacity, but also teaching like therapists and other helper kind of professional people how to manage their own codependency. And so I I will be doing those again once I get back to the States. Um, I'm not super great on like Zoom and I can do virtual one-on-ones, but like teaching a class virtually is not something I do. And um, so I wanted to kind of um, adapt the workshops to a wider audience. And that's kind of where the book was born from. Um, or started gestating. It's not born yet. But I did talk to a publishing company. And so I will be publishing the book. Hopefully it'll be out in June. Very exciting. Um, but one of the and sorry, we're working on the but and situation. But and in doing so, I was talking with a girlfriend this morning, because as you know, I, I process regularly with my friends and my close people. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about was uh, having the codependency workshop in a family reunion kind of way and really like working with family groups 
on codependency so that there is a different way of contextualizing what codependency looks like and also how it feels, how it feels to kind of be in the on the receiving end of a codependent relationship, which again, from from a personal perspective, when we show up, when from our codependency, you know, we are neglecting our own needs, we are seeking out that validation, we are behaving in such a way that we are giving or overgiving of ourselves. Uh, so it's kind of a helper, fixer, people pleaser, that kind of thing. But, and the the shitty kind of negative side or the underbelly of codependency can feel really awful um, when we're getting it from somebody else. When somebody else is codependent and they're seeking our validation, but they're not doing it in a helpful way. Um, and so one of the ways that it feels negative is it feels like control and manipulation. And so I want to give you some examples of that so that you can start to recognize it from a different perspective, right? And a lot of the times, certainly the way that I've talked about codependency recently has been like, when we are codependent, this is how it shows up and these are the unhelpful ways. But when we are receiving codependency, this is also how it looks like. So it looks like control and manipulation. Um, people are maybe not having hard conversations with us or not expressing expressing their true feelings um, and they want to get our validation, right? So oftentimes, and, and I've talked about this in the past, is that we don't want people to feel a certain type of way, right? We don't want people to feel sad. We don't want people to feel hurt. We don't pe want people to feel um, mad at us. We don't want them to feel disappointed. And so we are doing these extra things, hoping that we are going to get their approval or we're going to continue to be in relationship. Now, the reason I say it feels manipulative is oftentimes people are holding in their anger or they're holding in their feelings, they're holding in their resentment that they are building over time. And then they are going to, you know, act all crazy when they have been pushed too far. So I'd like to use the example oftentimes of moms and keep in mind, I am a mom and I have in fact done these things. So I'm coming from my own experience. Um, but I, there was a time when my daughter was a, a small person, she was a, a child. Um, and so we would set a limit or a boundary and then, um, you know, invariably we would like take away her phone or take away her TV privileges or take away her screen time, whatever. Um, and because we felt bad, and I say we, but it was me, I would feel bad. I would be like, okay, well, you know, you can come and watch a movie with us or you can do whatever. Um, but I continued to build this resentment because she kept pushing the limits, kept pushing the boundary. Um, and she was really good at it because little kids are, and that's a thing. Um, but then I would get upset. I would be angry. I would be frustrated. I would be like, you keep, you know, doing these things that get TV taken away or get your phone taken away. And so my anger and resentment would build because I was not holding the boundary, because I wanted her to feel included, or I wanted her to feel, you know, as part of the family. And because I grew up in such a toxic environment of what punishment looked like, or negative reinforcement, or whatever the parenting was, I would, you know, not want her to feel bad, or upset, or whatever. But I wasn't giving her the opportunity to correct the behavior. And if I had just stuck to the boundary, and really stuck to you know, you don't have TV for the weekend and you're not going to be able to watch movies with us and you're not going to be able to, you know, hang out with your friends or do whatever. She probably would have learned the lesson better than if I had just kept moving the, the marker of what the boundary or expectation was. That's how control and manipulation looks when it's coming from 
that best intention place. And so when we don't give the space for people to have their feelings, what we are doing is we are limiting their ability to learn how to self-regulate. And, you know, when we think about it from like a relationship perspective, um, it's, it's really kind of interesting because I, I've talked a lot about the fact that, you know, I would give up parts of myself to stay in relationship with people. And um, one person in particular, I stopped arguing, like I just stopped doing it. Um, and so, you know, they would have their feelings about whatever. And I just stopped arguing like I wasn't having it, but I was building resentment the whole time. He was also building resentment because he got something out of that interaction. And so then he would be really sweet. And, you know, then I would come over and we would make dinner and he would wait for me to, he knew that, you know, there was some kind of argument that I would likely have. He would wait until a day that I was tired. So for example, Thursdays used to be really long for me. Um, and so I would just want him to like pick a restaurant for dinner, but he would be like, well, what do you want? What do you want? And so it was this toxic system between the two of us because he would wait for the day that I was not, you know, mentally, I was drained, I was tired, my capacity was low. He would pick an argument, then I would argue with him because I had been holding my own stuff in and, you know, then it was on and he was getting the payoff. So that kind of manipulation is what toxic codependency looks like because he was looking for my approval, but he was also looking for a fight. And because I am codependent and have been, I was giving into it. And so it, it continued to be really kind of gross. Um, people who don't respect your boundaries is another way toxic codependency kind of shows up in your life. And so when we set boundaries, especially when we're new at it, it is difficult for anybody who is codependent to set a limit or a boundary. And sometimes people will come at us in a way that they think is love, but they are not respecting the boundary, right? So I've talked before about how I am not really a hugger and I don't like it. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable, especially if it's not somebody I'm familiar with or if my capacity is low. And, um, you know, it even people that are close to us or whatever will, and our kids do it and they don't do it intentionally. And I'm, I'm pointing this out because Kids learn how to set boundaries and how to manage their own anxiety and their own feelings from us, right? But they don't understand that certainly as an, as an introvert, I don't like to be touched, and especially if my capacity is low. And so, you know, they are not able to respect the boundary because they just want your attention. I want you to think about that, really, because they do just want your validation. They do just want your love. And that's great. But setting a boundary is saying... Right now, I don't want to be hugged. I can hold your hand um, and you can maybe touch my finger, um, but I don't want to be hugged, right? An adult knows better. An adult will recognize they have set this limit and I'm just going to try to push it a little bit. Um, I really want you to think about that when it comes to the boundaries of your physical space, right? Um we have lots of limits and boundaries to our physical space that we are not aware of or don't think of as boundaries, right? Um, but if somebody like jumps in your car and they are not invited, that's going to feel weird. It's going to trigger that response of like, oh, I don't like that. Um, but oftentimes people just want to, you know, be close to us or do whatever. Um, I think about it a lot with strangers because they just want, you know, to have that interaction with you. If you've ever like bought a car 
and uh, you know the salesperson gets like really close to your body, uh, they want your approval. They want your buy-in. They actually want you to be a little bit uncomfortable, which is a manipulation. It's kind of gross. Um, but it is totally okay to be like, back the fuck up. Like, I don't want you in my space. I don't like that. Please get away from my body. Um, oftentimes, and, and like I mentioned at the beginning, people will avoid having hard conversations. They will build up resentment and then they'll go off and, you know, be really angry for like something small. And that is manipulation. If they are holding back from having a hard conversation or going deeper with you or addressing things that you've talked about before, that's not helpful. They just want everything to be okay. And I think I've talked about, you know, in the podcast before when my sister was around, we have very big feelings. We're very um, expressive with those feelings. Part of it is, you know, just kind of our, our culture and our nature or whatever. Um, but if we don't go back and have the hard conversation, we don't actually create resolution. And so what I had talked about in that other podcast was a lot of times we will have a spicy moment or have an argument and, um, you know, kind of separate, go to our separate corners. Um, and then we would be like, okay, let's go eat or let's go. Like everything is fine, right? Everything is fine. We're fine. But we wouldn't have the hard conversation. The hard conversation is really having an opportunity to sit down with your person and whoever it is that you're having discourse with. And being like, this is how it made me feel. Not that you're responsible for my feelings, but I am recognizing as I took some space from you, this is how I'm feeling. And what I would like to say is this is my boundary. This is my limit. And, you know, when you come at me the way that you do, it makes me uncomfortable. So what I'd like to do is reestablish the boundary or talk about like, what is a better solution to the situation? If somebody is avoiding having hard conversations, they are avoiding creating resolution. And that is toxic codependency. If you really value the relationship that you have with me, we're going to have a hard conversation. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and uh, when we were on our trip, which was a few days ago and time is weird. But anyway, um, there were some things that had happened and she came to me and she said, this is how I observed you. And what I know to be true about my friend is this is not a genuine feeling. You know, it's not a genuine thing. And I, I am, I care about you enough. And I love the way she said this. I care about you enough to recognize that I am the one to be able to say to you, this is what I observed and it is not genuine to who you are. And so tell me with curiosity what it is about that situation that created that response. I really want you to think about that because it was so loving and so accepting. And it was a hard conversation. It was a hard conversation for me. It was hard for her to have. And yet she came to me with that. And then I was able to go, oh, I, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. Or I do realize that's what I did. And now I can fix it. If someone avoids having hard conversations with you, they don't value the relationship the way they think they do. They value your approval and your acceptance more than having a hard conversation with you so that you can, with curiosity, with investment, sit down and be uncomfortable and then also get to resolution. So if people are avoiding hard conversations, and they do it, we all do, and part of when working with clients, I have said, you're going to have to have the hard conversation. Once you do, once you set the boundary, once you set the limit, then there is no excuse from the other person for them to keep crossing your boundary. 
right? But if they're not having hard conversations, if they completely gloss over arguments, if they do not sit down with curiosity and love and go, tell me what's going on with us, because I feel like there's a disconnect. Or you get really upset every time I do this thing, you know, and if you can't sit with it and go, okay, what is it about that thing that makes me want to have a boundary that makes me feel uncomfortable? I'm going to say something and I say it to clients a lot. It is an aha moment, but it is hard to process. Your feelings are your responsibility. Okay. How you feel about something is your responsibility to manage. That being said, humans are going to trigger feelings from us. Now, unless you're, and I've said it before, unless you are intentionally poking somebody in the eye or hurting them with intention, they're allowed to have those feelings. Now, people who care about you are going to be considerate of your feelings, but you're still going to have them. Now, you can have a hard conversation with somebody. You can cross a boundary because we do. That happens, right? We have to be aware of other people's boundaries and recognize that in order to have a relationship with you and to really love and understand you, I'm going to have to sit in that discomfort and have a hard conversation. Okay. If I don't have the hard conversation, I cannot get to resolution. The hard conversation may be, this is my boundary. This is my limit. These are things I don't like. And I love you. And I want to work on this with you. Okay. So managing that kind of flow is important. But if somebody avoids having hard conversations with you or completely glosses over the topic or does not want to get in the dirt with you and be like, okay, how do we fix this? That's a problem. That is a challenge. And that is toxic codependency. Shame and guilt. Okay. So quickly, or not quickly, let's see how we're on time. Uh, Shame and guilt is interesting. Um, And so there's developmental models that talk about how shame and guilt kind of starts to get established when kids are really little. And one of the ways that I have seen it is in the parenting arena. Now, I don't work with little kids. um, Sticky and smell weird. But also, I don't want to work with parents of little kids. It's like a whole thing. Um, But what I have seen and what I know to be true is oftentimes, there's a lot of shame and guilt that comes from this constant feeling of, I do all these things for you and you don't appreciate it. That doesn't always happen in parenting. It can happen in any dynamic of a relationship. But I want you to recognize for yourself with awareness when we do these things. Because we are doing things as parents and as adults because we want to. Like I said, if it's genuine to who you are, totally fine. But if you are expecting someone else to respond in a way that is not helpful, right? If they don't respond in the way that you do because we want people to love us the way we love, then we will build up resentment. That can look like shame and guilt. That can look like I do all these things for you and you don't do these things for me. And so consequently, you must not love me. And, you know, I'm going to give you all this guilt, right? I talk about it as though giving uh, tickets to the guilt trip, right? You don't have to accept them, but recognize that that is a toxic trait. It is a toxic codependency to want people to behave in the same way that we do uh, because we show up in this way. And I'm giving you all these things and I'm, you know, 
I'm doing all this extra stuff that maybe people aren't asking for. And if they're not asking for it, they cannot respond in that way. And if you just keep giving because you're a fixer or a helper or, you know, you're the kind of person that does all this stuff because you want people to love and accept and appreciate you, you're going to build resentment. That's going to come out in a spicy way that is not helpful. And a lot of times it'll come out in passive aggressive comments. It'll come out in, you know, I do all these things for you, but you don't do these things for me. It comes out in shame and guilt. So knowing what shame and guilt feels like, recognize that that's, that might be a thing that you're doing, right? If from your codependency, you might be giving people shame and guilt without even thinking about it. Something to consider, right? Okay, um, the next one is disappointment. So I had posted some things um, on, on Instagram and then also on TikTok about feeling like a disappointment, right? The thing is that disappointment comes from expectation, right? So when we have expectations of other people, we tend to hold really high expectations that are sometimes unrealistic, right? And we also have the expectation that other people have those expectations of us, right? So expectations works on both on both ends of the spectrum. A lot of times, people, parents, adults, we all have expectations of other people. If we don't manage them, then we are going to be disappointed. And we are going to be disappointed often if we are not managing our own expectations. That said, um, and what I had said before is our expectations are our responsibility, right? Other people's expectations are their business, right? And so when we think about disappointing someone else, you know, they have this expectation of you doing XYZ thing or showing up in this way. And when we don't, because we are managing our own time, we are managing our own capacity, we are managing our own energy, we may not be able to show up in the way that they want us to because they have that expectation. Because we are, again, trying not to have people have uncomfortable feelings, they might be disappointed and then they'll be fine. What I know to be true is that when we set a limit, and when we set a boundary, and when we say no, people figure it out. They are able to manage things on their own. Now I'm talking about big people. Little kids are going to be disappointed. That's just, they just are. You know, sometimes it can be as silly as like, you can't wear that today because it's dirty, not because you want to wear a tutu on a Thursday, but you know, they're going to be disappointed. What we want kids to do is have uncomfortable feelings and then work through it. Adults, on the other hand, should know how to work through it. If they've never been disappointed or never told no, that's not somebody you want to hang out with anyway, because they don't understand a no. Now, back to our expectations, right? Our expectation oftentimes, now this is again, my experience, both personally and professionally, our expectations are that people are going to show up in the world the way that we do. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. Um, what I mentioned before is like people could be even raised in the same house. All of my siblings raised in the same household, same parents biologically, um, but they were born at different times in different stages. And so my parents, the parents that, you know, I was born to were not the parents that my brother, who was born 16 years later, was not like they're different people because they had different experiences. 
my point in saying that is we have this expectation that everybody should think in the common sense kind of way that we all behave the same. That's not true, unfortunately. Um, and so when I work with couples, especially, we talk about what is your expectation of the other person? Have you communicated that? And then are they able to meet it? Sometimes they're not. And that's unfortunate. But if they're working on how can I meet other expectations, or maybe I can because I care about you and the relationship, how can I show up in a different way so that you feel loved, seen, heard, validated, all those things, right? But that's going to come with communication. So communicating your expectations, being even aware that you have the expectation is going to put you on a better, in a better position to not be disappointed. We're still going to be disappointed. Unfortunately, um, you know, that's just part of life. That's why false advertising is kind of a, it's illegal. Um, but when we get into relationship, we show, we put our best foot forward, right? We are trying to show up as our best representative and over time, things change. That's just true. With time, circumstance, experience, everything changes. And if we are not able to continually evolve and heal and grow, then we're going to end up staying in toxic coping skills or things that are not helpful. So it is something to consider. Managing your expectations, managing your own disappointment. When you manage your expectations, you are less disappointed. And then recognizing that other people are going to be disappointed. Other people are going to have feelings. That is totally normal and that's going to be expected. People have feelings. It is not our responsibility to manage other people's feelings. It is our responsibility to be considerate and kind, to be able to and be willing to have hard conversations so that they can, we can meet in the middle. If our goal is to have relationship, which is the whole point of me talking about codependency in general, to have relationships better, we're going to have to have hard conversations. In order to connect, we are going to have to manage our expectations. In order for us to be able to continue to be in relationship, we are going to have to set boundaries. We're going to have to say no. We're going to have to manage our capacity, our yes budget, our no's, all the things. That is our responsibility. I say it a lot. And it's funny because now my clients say it and people that I talk to regularly say it like, this is a me problem and that is a you problem. And if it's a you problem, that means it's your responsibility to figure out the solution. That's the whole concept of you problem, me problem. My problem is managing my boundaries. My problem is managing my capacity. My problem is recognizing what my expectations are. If I am not doing that and I am putting it on another person, it is likely I will be disappointed. It is likely I will build resentment. It is likely, and I've seen it done, I will give you shame and guilt because even though passive aggression is not my favorite trait, it is something that I have done. And I really work on it to try not to do it because I want to have the relationships with the people in my life that I love, that I would like to continue and maintain those relationships. These are ways that toxic codependency shows up and recognize that your codependency may show up in this way. If you are not managing it, it will continue to kind of be gross. It's sticky and we don't like it. So Recognize that a you problem is managing your expectations, is taking on your responsibility, not in an overly accountable way, but in a how do I fix this to make me better, to show up in a way so that I continue to love myself. 
so that I continue to show up with integrity and recognize that I am a good person, I still have things to work on, including my codependency in this toxic way. All the things. All right, I've got a couple more minutes. Just wanted to reiterate the fact that I did talk to a publisher. Hopefully the book will be out soon. If you are enjoying all of the things that I am saying, even if they're hard to hear, recognize that soon there will be a book version of this and it will probably, you know, be interesting to check out. Um, again, I am going back to the States in March. I will be having uh, workshops. We might want to call them family reunions. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were kidding, but we were talking about how like we could totally market the, the codependency workshops to families and uh, just, you know, just pick up people along the way and be like, hey, grab a snack, grab a water bottle. We're going to go work on codependency today. Um, I do not endorse ambushing people to a codependency workshop. But if you want to bring somebody to learn how to do skills and all the things, like, that is important. You're very welcome. Thank you for watching. Um, so I do appreciate you watching the videos and listening to, um, you know, the, the podcast. And so for those of you who have been my consistent followers and love what I am doing, I really thank you so much. Um, the best way for me to grow is for you to tell other people in a kind and loving way, hey, you should probably listen to this podcast. Um, share it, do whatever you need to do. But I know that the things that I say are sometimes hard to hear. I do recognize that. Trust me when I tell you they are hard to live and they are harder to live when you are not working on them. So working on it regularly is going to be uncomfortable. That's why, you know, we talk about like the middle is hard. The middle is uncomfortable and there are times when you want to give up and you don't want to hold your boundaries. You just want to let things be the way they were before because it felt easier. It's not, but it feels that way in the moment. So keep working on you. You are definitely worth having healthy, positive relationships. And especially with people that you care about, that you want to have in your life. Recognize that I have relationships with people because I love them. I love connecting with the people that are in my life. And setting boundaries is not easy. But once you can learn the conversations and have them, the hard ones, it gets better. And the relationships get better. And the connections get better. And so keep working on it. I see you trying and I see you working through it. So thank you so much for listening. I'm going to end the podcast when I'm editing the video. I love you guys so much. I really appreciate you. And I will be home soon. So I'm so excited. Take care. All right. We are ending the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're ending right at 30 minutes. So um, for those of you who have not seen the videos, I'm live on Instagram, Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC, uh, live on TikTok, LX2 Codependency Coaching, um, the website, Luna X2, like there are lots of ways to get this information. All of the blogs and essays that I'm writing are on the website, so you can check that out. And like I said, there will be a book coming out hopefully in June. I love everyone that's listening. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Take care.